but as we're wrapping up the summer, we are wrapping up a mini-series on the topic of forgiveness. And we're just two weeks away from launching into a brand new series. We're going to be preaching through the book of First and Second Timothy. And I'm very excited about that. I want to encourage you to be pre-reading in your own Bible study, your own reading time. Uh, read through that. Let the Holy Spirit start working, softening your heart to hear uh, in those uh, different things uh, from First and Second Timothy. It's going to be powerful, powerful fall in that regard. But today, we are believing for life transformation right here, right now. I'm believing that by the end of today's service, both first and second, you will remember this moment for the rest of your life. And I know that the expectation's high, and I know I can be naive, but I am seriously, we are believing God to touch your heart and that there will be uh, just an incredible uh, awareness of God's forgiveness for us, but then also that we would experience forgiveness in a different way than perhaps we have in the past. Last week, we gave the definition of forgiveness. This was uh, from James McDonald, a great pastor, Harvest Bible Church out of Chicago. As he kind of uh, explains it, he says that forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. And that's an interesting uh, definition, but you can run any scenario through that where forgiveness is needed, and I believe it's fitting. As a result of your choice or your choices, let's put, it, put the shoe on uh, our own foot, if, if you have injured someone or if I have injured someone, there is an existing obligation. I owe someone something I am in debt to someone because of something I've said or something that I have done. And, we, and, th and that's what forgiveness is, is that we acknowledge that and then we move through that process. Each week we've tried to get our mind around this uh, for the past several weeks and we really started at Matthew chapter 18, the classic New Testament text where we said that forgiveness was personal, it was a process, and it's a choice. Everyone say it's personal. There was a process, and it's a choice, right? And then last week, if you were with us out in the muggy air at our celebration service, which was awesome, uh, we had a, such a good time, we said that forgiveness is what? Total. Good. And I don't have volunteers here. Whoop. It's immediate, right? And one more on the far end over here, it is unilateral. Right, and I realized after the service that I did a very poor job explaining what unilateral meant, and, uh, and so I acknowledge that. What unilateral means is that forgiveness is one-sided. It's, it's one-sided in the fact that you don't have to wait for someone else to experience forgiveness or to ask for forgiveness. The responsibility is yours. And by the way, you don't have to go and say to someone, I forgive you for what you've done. In fact, that's not the, the idea. The idea is that we forgive even if they don't acknowledge what was done to us. It's, it's unilateral. It means this, that I will not bring it up to you. I won't bring it up to others. And I will not bring it up to myself. Maybe that's the hardest. And when I fail, I will ask for help to forgive again. That's what 
forgiveness is. It's total, it's immediate, it's unilateral. And we know that this is not man's thinking. In our own thinking, we want to... We want to pick up the jawbone, right? We want to go to war. We want to, you know, create an opportunity for revenge. But this is what God's way is. It blows human thinking out of the water. And last week, we combined these thoughts that it's total, immediate, unilateral with Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. And I want us to go back to that verse, Luke, 36, or Luke 6, 37 and 38. Look what it says in regards to forgiveness. It starts off, it says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Then it says, Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So the idea there is that we're not judging, we're forgiving, and with the forgiveness, it says in 38, that we give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use it, with the measure that you forgive, it will be measured back to you. This is a powerful verse about forgiveness. And we said last week and really throughout the series that forgiveness is a skill of discipleship that we are growing, making disciples, and we said that small changes over time make a huge difference. So if you're on a trajectory in this plane and you want to forgive, and even you just change even a degree or two, over time, the difference is monumental in your lives. And when you boil it all down, we understand that there's no enduring relationships without forgiveness. You have to forgive. In the reality, it's the most self-loving thing that you can do is to forgive others, forgive yourself. And today, with God's help, we are going to experience forgiveness together. We're going to transfer some knowledge here, hopefully motivate and inspire you on a tough topic. And then by the end of today, by the end of the service, we're going to do an inventory and we're going to put unforgiveness to death. We're going to bury it. We're going to draw a line in the sand. We may grieve over the forgiveness issue, but then we're going to leave it at the altar. We're going to leave it at the cross, and we're going to explain how we'll do that in a moment. We're going to walk away with freedom and peace and joy, with stronger relationships because of it, a more carefree. And uh, some of you may say, well, that's great. Um, I'm not sure that this message really applies to me. I'm not really struggling with forgiveness issues today. Let me just say... If you are breathing, all right, at some point in your life, you're going to come back to this moment and you're going to need what we're talking about. Forgiveness is for all of us. If we're Christ followers, we must learn how to do this. Now, last week in the park, we talked about unforgiveness and I gave a whole list of forms of unforgiveness. What does unforgiveness look like? And it can look like a whole lot of things. And we want to kind of provide that list again. Um, you can jot some of these down if you want. This is kind of to stir your thinking. What does unforgiveness look like? Well, it's certainly seen when there's murder or haste or slander. In divorce, there's almost always unforgiveness issues. Gossip, rejection. When you start avoiding people to punish them, there's probably a root of unforgiveness. When there's revenge or if you're withholding good from someone, or you transfer your affection where you once loved, now you're uh, loving someone else and not loving the other, there's probably a root of unforgiveness. 
when sarcasm and verbal hostility is present, when you label a person, you start calling names, when you're judgmental, when there's the lack of mercy or compassion or bigotry or racism or prejudice, when there's bitterness or anger, you know there's unforgiveness. When there's a negative response, there may be a root of unforgiveness. Internally wishing bad things to happen or even, God forbid, praying against someone else. There are issues of unforgiveness in a lot of different ways. We could go on, the list could go on and on. There are lots of forms. But worse than this list of potentially harmful things that harm our spiritual walk, our emotional walk, is that the, this list also affects us physically. I've alluded to this over the last couple weeks, that there are serious health concerns when it comes to unforgiveness. In fact, Dr. Colbert, a medical doctor, he was featured on the 700 Club a couple years ago, said this, that forgiveness is more important than taking vitamins or eating right. Now, how many of you like to eat right? Yeah, hopefully some of us. Uh, how many of you are, take vitamins or you know, you're, you're health conscious, you know, popping you know, pills or different things to, to stay healthy? Forgiveness is more important than those things. He goes on to say that unforgiveness is toxic to our bodies. And we said that the last couple weeks, that, that it is a very, very serious, uh, harmful condition for our bodies. Well, after I talked about this last week and mentioned that, I was talking uh, after at the picnic with Joe and Pam. And uh, Joe, just give us a little wave back here. This is Joe, and it's Ladone, right? Is that how you say? Ladone, 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 whatever. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. Well, anyway, we were talking about this and just kind of brainstorming. And Pam, uh, his wife, who is in Colorado this morning, um, uh, said, you know what? I studied this at a conference under Dr. Caroline Leaf. And uh, there was a conference about the brain and memory and forgiveness. And I said, hey, could you resurrect some of your notes and give me a summary? And she gave me more than I needed, uh, but, uh, but she did this wonderful summary where, uh, where Dr. Caroline Leaf was studying the brain and our memories that are stored in it and the nerve pathways and the different hemispheres, our thoughts and our actions and our attitude all related to forgiveness issues. And this was Pam's summary, and I'm going to read it because uh, she did a really excellent job. She said this as she was summarizing uh, her notes. She said that unforgiveness actually presents itself in the brain. Everyone just touch your head and say, the brain, right? A good thought looks a lot like a tree. As we think on good thoughts, they send the proper chemicals through, uh, through our brain into our body, keeping the body working in perfect order. So it starts with those thoughts. Unforgiveness, which Dr. Caroline Leaf sometimes refers to as toxic thoughts, like a thorn tree. Uh, she says they look like a thorn tree because it causes us emotional and physical pain. Now the problem with the toxic thoughts is that they are pervasive and start multiplying and, listen to this, eating up valuable real estate in your brain. That does not sound good. They release chemicals that flow to the heart that stop the chemical called ANF to be released. And I have no idea what that stands for, but she continues, says ANF is responsible for our behavior. 
It helps maintain balance and motivation and keeps us from a sense of well-being. If it is not allowed back into the brain, we will become physically, emotionally, and spiritually ill. It is serious. She goes on to say unforgiveness can cause the following illnesses, and this is proven in laboratory tests. It can cause diabetes and cancer and asthma, skin problems, allergies, to name a few. It also can cause depression and anxiety. If you don't think this is serious, listen. And it it can begin to affect your good memories. It causes those branches on your trees that were healthy at one time, those memories, so to speak, they start to fall off. And this is proven in lab studies. But then she says, all hope is not lost. We actually, when we actually choose forgiveness, which is what we're talking about, when we choose to forgive, the brain can begin to repair itself. Isn't that amazing? How powerful our brains are? Once they are all gone, uh, we can begin to build good memories on top of those bad memories that we have been harboring unforgiveness over. And once we have done that, our brain begins to send the proper chemicals to the heart and it begins releasing that all-important chemical, A-N-F. And then she says, science proves what the Bible has been telling us all along. You got to tell Pam, we appreciate her hard work, kind of summarizing really uh, several lectures. And, uh, and the point, and I, the reason I bring this up is because it is so serious. It is so real in our lives. And uh, so thank you. You say, well, what is the solution? Well, I believe the solution is always found in God's word. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is a great place where we can learn about forgiveness. I want to back things up. We're going to focus on verses 31 and 32. But let's start in verse 25 uh, to give us some background. It says this. It says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give up, give the devil a foothold. That's that whole immediate, that forgiveness is immediate. You don't let the sun go down on your anger. Really, really important. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up and according to their their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then here is verse 31. It says this, Get rid of all bitterness. I'm going to pause there for a second. When we think about bitterness, this is destruction in your mind. This is acid to your heart. It's venom in your words, the refusal to reconcile, keeping an account for every person. That is what bitterness looks like. It says, get rid of bitterness. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, I heard someone say. Get rid of bitterness. Number two, get rid of rage. Rage. What that means is wrath or deep-seated, constant anger, stoking the fire of your heart. Why would someone rage? Because there's 
forgiveness. We get rid of bitterness. We get rid of rage. And the third one is anger here in this short list of six. And that's temporary outbursts, the fist through the wall syndrome where you explode. Again, what fuels this in our lives? Why would we get angry to the point where we're sinning? It's unforgiveness. Get rid of anger and rage and bitterness. And then, in my Bible, it says brawling. In yours, it may say clamor or something else. That's a relational strife. Get rid of relational strife. The idea where you, you stand up and say, you are going to hear me whether you like it or not. What would cause someone to do that? Again, the root of unforgiveness. Get rid of slander, number five, uh, as well. That word is the word blasphema in uh, the Greek. That means devil's speech. It's the kind of ready, aim, fire. It comes out of your mouth before you know it. You're slandering someone. And then the sixth one there, get rid of all malice. Now, I didn't know what malice meant until I studied a little bit. It's the evil inclination of the mind. It's the bottom of the barrel. It's hard-heartedness that it stands up and says, I have every right to be mad, or I will tell you about it. And is it understandable in some circumstances when you've been hurt, when there's pain in your lives? Absolutely understandable. Is it excusable? No, it's not. And it's not good for you. None of these things are. And the list could go on and on. It could go back to the original list that we provided with a lot of different things. It will affect you physically, spiritually, emotionally. And then the remedy comes in verse 32. Look what it says. It says, but be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind to the very people that you are struggling to forgive. And I believe it is without exception. You need to write a note or send a flower. You're not dismissing the hurt. You're not ignoring it or condoning it, uh, the other things that we've said. But you are forgiving the thought. The healing will begin. And then it says to be compassionate. That word is only used two times in in the Greek here, in the whole entire New Testament. It means to be tender-hearted. The idea is to be ready to feel the pain of another person. Viewing it as God sees that person. If your enemy is hungry, in other words, you feed them. You're heaping burning coals in their lap. How how many like that verse? I mean, that's, that's a fun verse. But kindness and compassion together are weapons to be utilized to help us with unforgiveness. They will aid us in the process. In the process. And then it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And then it says something so important forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. We are called to forgive one another just as Christ God forgave you. The greatest example in all of history was Jesus Christ Himself. I did quite a bit of study about the life of Joseph this week, and I thought I was going to use that in the message. And it's probably one of the greatest examples in the Old Testament of forgiveness. And, um, and And I was having a hard time kind of tying the two together. And Pastor Bobby just encouraged me, said, hey, what's better than Christ? This verse, I was sharing kind of where I was wanting to go. He says, 
Bring it to the cross, and that's what we're going to do this morning. There's a parable or parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3 that kind of says very similar. It says this in verse 13. It says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then it says the same thing. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's our mandate as Christ followers. Then it says something very interesting. It brings in this whole idea of love. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The idea of love covering and the love providing forgiveness uh, is incredible. See, what happens when there's unforgiveness? Love is diminished. But we are called, church, to follow Christ's example. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, after Jesus has been beaten and bruised and nailed to a cross, the sin of the world on his shoulders, your sin, my sin, the weight, the the, uh, heavenly father looks away, can't even look at his son in that moment. If you've ever seen the Passion movie, you can kind of remember some of those images where Jesus is hanging there, nails through his, his arms, through his feet, the blood from the crown. And Jesus doing all of this, what does Jesus say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Can you get there in your mind? Can you think of Jesus on the cross? In church, not one of us deserve that kind of forgiveness. And then you parallel that or bring that back to the passages, and they're multiple that say that we are called to forgive as Christ forgave us. See, that day of crucifixion looked bleak, and it looked like everything was lost. But what was it about? What it was about is that someone had to pay for our sin. In the Old Testament, it was required that there was a sacrifice, and Jesus became the sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the lamb of God. We could not stand on our own. Someone had to pay. Someone had to pay, and Jesus paid it all, every last bit of it. Jesus absorbed our debt. Jesus was the chief forgiver. If we use our definition and we put Jesus into that, it's that Jesus decides to release us or release you from the obligation that resulted when we or you sinned against him. When you sin, when you injure Jesus, when I do that, Jesus decidingly, he chooses to release us from that obligation. Church, that is incredible. Never lose the wonder of that idea. It's great news. It's good news. It's the best news. And in a similar act, each of us are required to forgive each other in the same way. So what that looks like is you saying, I will pay, or I will absorb the debt, or I release the debt. And I want all of us to understand that each of us has the capacity to forgive. Not one of us is here that says, no, I can't do it. 
if, it, if you are, if you have that mindset, you are holding yourself and others to a higher standard than even Jesus does. Very interesting. This is not man's way. This is God's way. And my question is, are you ready for this type of forgiveness in your life? We better figure this out, church. It's a skill of discipleship. Because the longer that you live in a place or work in a place, how many know it takes endurance and longevity takes forgiveness? Inevitably, there will be many, many minor things in our lives that we need to forgive. Sometimes it's daily with the people that we love closest to us that we're forgiving on a, on a continual basis, minor things. Then there are major things, major hurts, major pains, and major things that, that maybe you're even struggling with this morning. If you are going to make it, you must choose to forgive. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me again. And we've been preparing for something where we are going to challenge every single person here to take an inventory of your life, to face the pain, the wounded experiences, to kind of gather it all up, and we are going to bury it. We're going to nail our, uh, our, our lives, so to speak, to the cross. We're going to put unforgiveness to death this morning. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to give every single one of you a little card that looks like this. And ushers, I want every single person here. And, and uh, the worship team, you can do the second service with me. But basically, on the one side, it says this. I choose to forgive. And there's no one exempt this morning. I want us all to participate as an act of unity. And uh, just pass one out for everybody. And uh, you may want to grab others. But uh, on the back side, it's very simple. We want you to, first of all, identify the person or persons. You can add in several names if, you, if they're flooding to your mind that you need to forgive. This could be a spouse. This could be a neighbor. could be a coworker. You may need to forgive a mother or a father. You may need to forgive uh, uh, a sibling, someone that you've grown up with. Who do you need to forgive? And some of you are saying, well, I, I'm feeling okay today. I want you to identify, if you can't think of someone today that you need to forgive or that you're struggling with, I want you to think back in your life of someone that you have forgiven. And I want you to identify that. So you're going to identify a person. I choose to forgive. And for those that are in that state, when you're saying, boy, I can't think of anyone today, I want you to think back to someone that you have needed to forgive and that God helped you with. And then the second part is, I want you to describe the pain. There should be pens real close to where you are. You can grab one. So you're going to identify the person and then you're going to identify the pain. What was the issue? What was the, the, uh, the injustice? And this could be someone in your life. It could be even yourself. And again, I want to say, 
and just pause. After last Sunday's message, I had a lady come up to me and say, hey, I'm struggling to forgive myself. What do you do with that? And I just simply described, and I think it was helpful, and it may be helpful for some today that are saying, man, I can't forgive myself for what I've done or what I've said or where I went or whatever the case might be. Listen, if you can't forgive yourself or at least start the process in your life, you are holding yourself to a higher standard than our Heavenly Father holds you to. And I would just encourage you that it is possible. The process can begin today, right here, right now. And I told Pastor Bobby this morning after we prayed, we were praying in my office, I said, there's going to be a whole lot of forgiving going on this morning. And I believe that. Some from past things, but even some current issues that you have not been able to get over. And what we're going to do together is after you say, I choose to forgive, you're going to write in the person that you are needing to forgive or maybe someone in the past that you have forgiven what the pain was. And no one's going to see this. What you're going to do is after we, uh, the worship leader, uh, the worship team leads us, you're going to bring those to the cross. And we're going to have a, someone to help you here. And we're going to put these right on the cross just like this. So no one can see what it is, but we're going to nail these to the cross as a sign. And my heart for us is that this will be a mental picture of what needs to happen every single time there's an injustice or something is said or something is done where forgiveness is needed and that it would be total church that it would be complete that everything and everyone would be covered and it might take you a couple of these and we got extras in the back you can grab those if you want or just write small and write as many names and then just describe the pain and you know the pain you don't have to go in great detail it's up to you but not only is it total it needs to be immediate and that if it's something you've held on to we're going to give it up here today but then learn that in the future it needs to before the sun goes down and needs to be dealt with and then it's unilateral you say well the person they don't even know or maybe they don't they've never asked me for forgiveness how could i forgive them listen it's unilateral it's one-sided you are responsible for you and so this morning would you lead us and i want you to capture the person and the pain and then after we kind of work through the first two choruses right then we're going to get to the, or no, the first two verses. Then when we get to the chorus, I'm going to ask that you would come. And the volunteers that we're planning on helping, you can move to, to these spots. Then I want you to bring these. We, and we want to do this together, every single one here. We're going to come. We're going to nail these to the cross. We're going to ask God to do something supernatural right here, right now. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you. We ask, God, that you would just do a mighty, mighty work in this place. God, that you would just speak to our hearts, reveal to us areas that we've been holding on to. And God, I pray that forgiveness would be thick here, that we would walk in freedom because of the power of your might in our lives. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.